Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to So You Want to Be in Ministry. I'm Tim. We are all about getting you to the finish line that God has put in front of you. We do that through educating you if you're thinking about jumping in, equipping you if you're already in and just need that extra little tool or resource or thought uh, to kind of navigate that specific season of ministry. And then we want to encourage you because we all go through tough seasons in ministry. We want to encourage you so that you can uh, keep moving forward and get to that finish line. Today, we are going to be interviewing uh, probably my best friend in ministry, if not one of my best friends in ministry. He has been there for me almost since the beginning. We had to cultivate uh, some camaraderie and we had to cultivate a friendship. We didn't know each other before we met each other in ministry. And so I asked him if he would come on where he could talk about, like, how did we develop that friendship? How did we come together and, and kind of learn, hey, I trust you. I think you trust me. And it just kind of formed into a long uh, relationship. And it's been almost two decades now. And I want to tell you, as we get into this, it's going to be a two-parter. Uh, this is my first one where it's actually going to go over two episodes. We just started talking, and it really turned into uh, probably a normal conversation that we would have with each other. Um, and we went really long. And so instead of trying to cram it all in one where I don't think a lot of you would have made it to the end, we, we divided it up into two. And one is focused on how we develop those relationships. And then our next episode is going to be all about the difficulties and special needs and, and hospitalizations and loss that he has experienced over his ministry and how he even kept going forward and serving in ministry and following Jesus, even when so much difficulty was, was happening in his life. I think that would be an encouragement for a lot of you as well. So we're going to do both of those. This is the first one. So here is Tim. Well, hey, Tim. So happy to have you on the podcast today. Uh, looking forward to this. Uh, we've been friends for a really, really long time. It's been a long time. I don't even know the <laughs> number of years now. I know. we're we got to be getting close to two decades. Like It's got to be coming yeah. up on it. So. Uh, I was excited to have you on and uh, kind of share some of your story, share our story together, even in some ways. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this podcast. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Why don't you tell uh, everybody kind of how you found your way into ministry and then what led you to the position you have now? Yeah, so my earliest um, recollection of ministry was actually when I was in the youth group. Um, I remember being the last guy out of the gas station on one youth trip, counting heads, you know, as like a junior in high school. I had no clue why I was doing that, but I was doing that, you know, and then I went to go be a, a engineer and was miserable in, in college. And it wasn't until the Lord called me into ministry um, and said, you're going to come uh, work for me. And I said, no way, you can't have me. And I lost. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, but anyways, that, that kind of started my journey and I did some camp ministry through Fuge Camps and then ended up serving in different churches and did uh, multiple years of student ministry, family ministry, and now, uh, in a real passionate role with, uh, care and, uh, operations at my church. Cool, man. So how long, like give people a little bit of perspective of, uh, maybe, uh, how many churches you've been at, and a little bit of the length at those churches, just so they can understand a little bit of the background, because where we're going, I think that's probably uh, critical to understand. Sure, yeah. So when I was in college, I did an internship that was about six months, you know, at one church. Um, that was real short. That was just learning and 
kind of checking the boxes off, you know, for a degree. Um, but my, I had a great mentor there. Uh, Terry was awesome and helping me develop um, as a pastor. And um, then my first church, I uh, was there about two and a half years. Um, and so that was a, a good experience too, because I, I was learning how to be a bivocational pastor um, and a young pastor at that newly married. There was a lots of learning curve there. Um, yeah, there's just so many stories I could unpack from that, that experience. So, uh, and then to my church now, um, it is, I've been, I'm in my 16th year there. And so, um, in November I'll, I will complete that. And, uh, it's the only church that my kids know. Uh, it also, the unique thing is it happens to be my home church where I grew up. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting nuances about that position. Um, but that's kind of where, where I'm at. I've been here, um, serving in the same place. I know that that is something unique because uh, often, I mean, we see it in scripture, right? A prophet can't, can't really do any miracles or anything in, in their hometown because people are like, ah, oh, this guy, uh, but you've actually been able to see some really cool things happen. What are, what are like maybe two or three of those things that you've gotten to see because you have the, that relationship? Oh man. Um, well, one of the biggest joys is actually living life with with people. And so some of my former students are now parents. And so, um, like, so to speak, you've got generational pictures. You know, they're bringing their babies into church and you're getting a picture with them. And you're like, oh, I feel really old. But the other part is, how cool is this? Like, I remember when these kids started dating, um, you know, being able to uh, – I was one of our senior adults just a couple months ago said to me, Hey, you're going to do my funeral. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, okay. But what I found was that was actually, she loves me. Yeah. And she, she wanted me to do that honor for her, you know, and um, to be able to, to officiate that. Um, some of the other great things um, about it is just seeing lifelong um, friendships. For instance, you know, I had a, had a friend that was in high school or acquaintance and now he's he just was baptized a couple weeks ago and joined our church um and it really was because we met up again at the local dollar uh the dollar store you know and so things like that being in one place long time um has 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 its joys uh i think even one other thing that that uh i'm I'm assuming she was a senior adult woman but uh, something else that she's saying is that I can count on you to be here because you've been here. Like, there's something to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, I'm excited that you've gotten that kind of tenure because it's not, that doesn't always happen. We don't always get to do that. Um, so I'm glad that you got to do it and in your own t uh, own hometown. Uh, so you've been probably the longest friendship I've had in ministry like i've got i like i'm on i'm on staff with somebody i went to college with and we were friends in college but it wasn't quite the same as what we've had in ministry for as long as we've had um so what are one or two things that you think just caused us to connect and just when when we connected when we met for that first time or the first couple of times there's just something there it's like i like this guy i want to be around this guy what, what are one or two things that you think connected us well, I think a couple of things is that we had some a lot of things in common. So our churches were about the same size. We were about the same age, uh, same stations and families. Uh, we like a lot of the same similar things. And so when I'm in this room, I'm going, oh, okay. 
I, I like that guy. Like that's, that's cool. Okay. I don't really know him, but then, you know, when we first met, it was in a group of guys, uh, kind of a cohort, you might say. Yep. <clears throat> and it, re- it, it revolved around planning events, you know? Um, but then we started doing lunch together and then we started doing different events together, things like that. And so, but it was because over time there was a uh, common interest Mm-hmm. And then it began, we started sharpening each other and we started sharing um, our, our heart with one another, you know, and kind of saying, this is who the real Tim is. And for both uh, of us, for both of us. Yes. <laughs> Since we're both Tim, <laughs> we both, our, our heads turn and, <laughs> and go, but uh, yeah, it, it was that sort of thing that happened for us where we grew closer together, um, knowing that we could count on one another. Uh, for ministry, we could count on how to help one another. Uh, what, you know, one of the things I was thinking about our relationship is that we are complete opposites um, personality-wise. Um, if I, if you gave me all the all the things to pick on a, on a personality assessment or something like that, I would not pick Tim Wyrock as my best friend. <laughs> um, because what I typically, what we typically want to do is pick people that are just like us. Yeah. But God knew better. You know, and so um, and there have been times and conversations where I'm like, man, I'm just talking to the male version of my wife. Like you and my wife are very gift, uh, gifted and wired. this. I'm like, I can't get away from this. Well, <laughs> God keeps saying because you don't need to be away from it. It actually will sharpen you. And so whether it's from from a male perspective or a female perspective, that same thing keeps getting pressed into my life. And uh, and I've learned to just love that, you know, um, and it's it's been a great thing to be a part of. Um so yeah cool we did we uh we really did have a group of youth pastors that got together there was at least eight of us i'm trying to be conservative when i say that number i it may have been more um but we did we got together we did one big event every year together and then some of us did other smaller events you know throughout the year together what do you think made that work because that is that is not normal to have you know eight to twelve youth pastors coming together there's no, we didn't have, there weren't people jockeying for like authority and stuff. We just wanted to do something together and we pulled it off. How did that happen? Like, what did you see from that that allowed that to happen? I think there was a couple things um, from that. One, the, the, the main leader, Paul, you know, that brought everybody together. He really was, I want to give a platform for these young guys. I remember when I was, when I was saying I was a bivocational pastor, um, I was in between places in between ministry positions. And I was stocking shelves at Lowe's and Paul called me, you know, and he said, Hey man, can I take you to lunch? And I'm like, Oh man, sweet. I'm going to get a ministry position. This is awesome. No, Paul just said, I just want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. How's your heart? What? Oh, I'm sorry. You're going through a rough time right now. Oh, so I learned about caring for other pastors through Paul. And that's ultimately what that group started as, you know, is not only do we care for one another, but we're going to do something together. The other part about that was the humility that was in that group. Um, humility will take you a long way in ministry. Um, and so learning, it doesn't mean that you uh, have to surrender to everybody else. I mean, you could be the smartest dude in the room, but everybody doesn't need to know you're the smartest guy in the room. You know, you just in conversation, that will come out naturally if, if you were humble. And you're teachable. All those guys were very teachable. And so 
Um, it was, hey, well, I saw this over here. And I think my kids would connect with this better. Oh, okay. Well, we can do that. Um, well, let's look into that. Okay, as a group, and there was compromise. Yeah. You know, so compromise is another thing that will will help. Um, we never compromised on the gospel. We never compromised on core doctrine. Um, those were not things we would compromise. In fact, there would be some very heavy discussions if we deviated from those things. Yeah. Um, and and it wasn't a, a heavy handedness. It was a passion for the gospel and for um, God's word. Right. And we want to stand on that. And so but that's what made that group unique. And it didn't matter if you had 10 kids in your youth group or you had 150 kids in your youth group. Every voice had the same weight and the same strength there. And so when we would come together at bandanas or wherever we were meeting to have those discussions, it was amazing to see that camaraderie and um, just encouragement that happened around the table. Yeah, it, it was very unique. It was a unique season of my ministry too, because I don't think I've had it since then, like that that heavy. Like I'll have a pastor here or there, but where you, you've got eight other guys where I remember several times where I would get a youth uh, that was coming from another youth group, like they would fill out our connection card or whatever the thing is coming in. And yeah. they, they would say where they're coming from. And uh, I would just call up because I, I knew them because of that group. I would call them up and I would just get laughter on the other end, like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and another thing that's unique about that, where, where we're at right now um, or where that group was located, you know, that's in the, suburbs of st louis right yeah. so it's all the towns mushed together mm -hmm. um so they're all um it, it would you would drive you know maybe in a big city like chicago you might drive 20 30 minutes to go to church yeah well that still happens where we're located too yeah even though it's two or three towns over that still happens and so it was great to know those guys um yeah and be and that's a good point because being that close i never sensed that we were competitive with each other at all yeah. No, yeah. when when we when we were talking about this time period, you were probably six miles from me. Yes, seven miles, something like that. Yep. So that's not a very long distance, mm -hmm. but we were worlds apart as far as um, people and demographics and all those things. Yep. However, we were super close too. Yep. Uh, people knew that we were all friends. So. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It was it was definitely a unique time. Uh, what do you think, so going back to the friendship, what do you think are some important attributes? If there's somebody out there and they're like, man, I would love to find a friend like I hear you guys talking about. What do you What do you think are some important attributes that they need to be looking for to initially start that relationship? Well, looking for, I think one of the things is faithfulness. Um, if you see faithfulness in their life, faithfulness to God's word, faithfulness to ministry, Hey, how can I, we come together as friends? I'm not sure how what that's going to look like. You know, that might mean you, you have sports as something that you do together outside of ministry. How, what do you, what do you, you know, one of the things is how can I connect with them outside of ministry as well as ministry? Yeah. Some of the friendships that I have that were just purely ministry, they come and they go Yeah, um, because they were purely ministry. But when it's friendship outside of that, then it's, uh, it really encourages you because you're like, Oh, well, we can go hang out. And yeah. Do you start talking about ministry? You do, because that's what we do as, as pastors. Mm -hmm. This is our life. We eat, breathe and sleep it. You know, I mean, there's, 
It's it's nothing else that comes out. It's just, oh, how can I love God's church and encourage it yeah. and help people to walk with Jesus? Like over and over and over and over that happens. And so, but when you see faithfulness with a guy, even if he's different than you, even if he has a bigger church than you, but you think, you know what, we got enough in common. Invite him to lunch. He shows up, awesome. You know, then then go from there. The other thing is is trustworthiness. Mm. If they're trustworthy, man, then hang on tight. Okay, no matter how many hiccups are in that friendship, hang on tight because finding someone that you can trust in ministry is hard. It um, is. So on that, how how do you test the um trustworthiness of the individual. Sure. So I think you have to be careful in what you're sharing, right? But mm -hmm. give him something that's like, okay, um, can I test this? You know, and so I'll give him a little bit and see where that goes. If nothing comes back to me, okay, we're, we're good. Now I'll give you a little bit more. You know, we were having this discussion just a couple weeks ago. Um, and I, I'm thinking about that, that whole conversation really, because I don't know, I can't even think about our earliest conversations, but I know right now, if I say, do not share this to him, it's not going anywhere. No. I know that Rachel's not hearing about it. You know, Sarah Jane's not hearing about it. Like this is, I'm guarding this, right? I'm yep. holding it close to my heart. Now there's other things we just share in general about life and we might share with our spouse, but we're not going out blabbing. We're not getting on Twitter and going, Tim, why rock, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's not what we're we're doing. That's not what friends do to each other. They actually encourage each other. They're there for the hard times. They're there for the good times. Um, so testing that and seeing where that's at, you know. You know, I was thinking about this a little bit too, and you brought up Paul. I think one thing that made it easy to trust him is he trusted us with so much in that event where we're just like, this guy has multiple hundred um, youth in his youth group. And yet he's letting me choose this very important aspect of this event. And so like, to me, he, I was like, he's trusting me. Of course, I'm going to trust him a little bit with something. Uh, and so that was an important thing for me with, with him specifically. Yeah. Well, and, and then the other thing is you see when you take a bigger step, you know, cause someone's always going to take that first step and saying, here's who I am. Right. And you say, man, I'm really struggling with this. Whatever whatever this happens to be, whether it's a, a hidden sin, whether it's another relationship somewhere else. Or um, just, I don't know how to plan an event. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like, but, but what you did is you said, hey, I'm not Superman. And I don't have all the answers together, right? Like I don't have yeah. life all together and all figured out. And sometimes when we come out of undergraduate and seminary, we're like, woohoo. And, we, you know, and I can, I can, I got the cat by the tail, so to speak, and I'm ready to go after it. And then you get in over your head and you're like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Well, you know what? Call a friend, you know, yeah. the old phone a friend thing. Well, when you've got friends in ministry, you can actually do that. Um, I just shared that uh, with, with somebody who's early on in ministry. It's, there's a, an effect called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And it's basically like 
you come out going like, I know so much about everything, or at least in this case, I know so much about ministry. And then the bottom drops out. We are like, I am the dumbest person alive. And yes. that, it's the Dunning-Kruger <laughs> effect where, and, and so I was trying to reveal to them, Hey, th this happens to all of us. So when it happens, just keep taking steps forward. And yes, phoning a friend that you can trust helps you take steps forward. <laughs> the, and, and the other part too is it, it's okay to be a continual learner. Yeah. It's I, I would say it's not just okay. It's necessary. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. I cut you off there. No, no, no. That's fine. It's what I've learned is those friendships will actually encourage you, you know? So mm -hmm. we have a mutual friend, Jim, you know, and I remember, you know, exactly where I'm going with this story, yeah. but we were going to a church planning thing together and I hadn't spent much time with Jim and I'm in the back seat. You're in the front seat with him and I'm tagging along. He, and all of a sudden he turns around and just starts like m dropping these grenades in my lap. There's these questions that I'm just like, one, who is this guy? Like, what is he doing? And, and secondly, like, why, why are we getting, you know, we affectionately began to say you got gymmed like when that happened, because he was testing the waters mm -hmm. and he was seeing, Hey, can I pour into you? He was a guy that wanted to pour into people. Yeah. And, um, and I remember feeling about this big, not because that was his intention, but I was like, the world just got really small, really fast. Yeah. And, but then after I answered a few things and I just answered it from my heart and I was like, well, if Jim doesn't like me. I guess he doesn't like me. And, and I was still very insecure in my leadership and, and who I was as a pastor. And I was like, well, okay. And then we get on the phone, you know, a week later or something to talk about. And it's like, Dude, Jim's business to talk about how awesome it was going over to over to St. Louis with you. And I'm like, were we in the same car? <laughs> like, that is not what happened, but it was. And and it's but you encouraged me in my insecurity and helped bring out and well, that brought on a lot of growth, you know. And so, but I was learning, right? I was learning how to hold to the things that I hold to. And in fact, I I love Jim, you know, because of what he, he poured into my life, you know? Yeah. He got us both through an interesting season in our ministries. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we weren't really going to go there, but you just brought up Jim. So let's go there. Uh, what are two or three attributes that have been true about mentors that you've had where it's been evident to me, it's been evident to your wife, people close to you, where you're just like, you are growing so much. Like who is teaching you? And you could name the the two or three people that I know have been true about what what has been true about them. Two or three attributes of their life where it's just like it it allowed you to grow or it propelled you to grow. Uh, the number one is their care for me. You know, I mm -hmm. know that they care for me. They love me, um, and so all the hard questions they're asking me is because they love me. But it also they see the hidden potential mm -hmm. in me, the potential that God has given me that I can't see. I'm blinded to, and so I need them to bring it out of me, almost like. You go mining for diamonds. You don't know every every time you sift, you don't know. But as the sifting process happens, boom, there it is, and um, you you find that that diamond. So that's what happens is as you're growing, right? Um, the other thing is that they're actually doing what they say. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> because if if they're not doing what they say, it's just blah blah blah. It's a talking head, right? Yeah, they love you, but they're just talking. But oh, I'm challenging you here. And I'm going to help you get there. Okay. And so 
Um, that's that's been very true of those mentors is they're actually doing what they say. Um, <clears throat> and then the I would say the third thing that's been helpful for me with a mentor is they spend time with me. Okay. Um, they they get to know me as a person. I'm not just a project. I'm not just so they can say, well, I've mentored 462 people now. Um, but, oh, I want to see you do great things for the kingdom of God. And, but I, but I need to know you, I need to know who you are. So those three things I think would be helpful in finding a mentor um, is that it's, it's going to help you grow, but they personally care for you. They spend time with you and then they're actually doing what they, what they're trying to impart to you. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good stuff. Off the cuff too. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) Um. You've served under, I think, three senior pastors. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you've had interactions with a lot of others. What have you seen as common attributes of pastors that you've loved following and interacting with? Probably, you know, as I was thinking about this particular question, um, encouragement. Um, When there's an encouraging attitude, and I know that's hard to do, as a lead guy, um, you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. Sometimes the, you're, you're maybe down yourself. You're fighting some big things that your staff doesn't even know about, but when you actually encourage your staff, boy, does it go a long way? Um, the other thing is when those guys spend time, both time inside the workplace and time outside the workplace, now, I'm a highly relational guy, so those things even matter even more to me. Um, but it it's the fact when I get, you know, I don't, I will pick up the phone for you on a day off because I know you wouldn't call me unless it was super important. And, and even if it was a friendship thing, I'd still pick up the phone, right? Like I care because we're a team together in this. Um, yes, there's a hierarchy, you know, of who's the boss and, that kind of thing, but it's a team aspect. So the leaders that are, are great to follow have built a teamwork of culture or a culture of teamwork there, I should say. And that teamwork is um, just, you want to do more. You want to keep going uh, through hard seasons. You, you don't mind. You rejoice together. You celebrate together. Um, those are, those are awesome things. I, I think it's the, the other thing that is great and this happens in longevity with a lead guy is when they start sharing their heart with you. And that is an honored place to be as a, as a number two leader. Um, when you get to hear your lead pastors in her heart, their fears, their, the things that are bothering their minds. But when you can step into that role, recognize it. And then how would, how do you get to pat? Cause you get a pastor, your pastor. Yep. Who pastors their pastor? And that scares the mess out of me when I find myself there. Like, if I'm just being honest, I'm like, uh, what do I do? Uh, but what I have found is sometimes the ministry of presence is the greatest gift you can give your pastor. Being there, staying after a hard meeting, asking the next morning, how did that, how did that go? Um, finding, again, find out what their favorite things are. You know, like if they like um, cookie cookie dough ice cream, 
and find out what their favorite brand is. Oh, it's Edie's. Okay. Or it's Ben and Jerry's. Well, you know what? Go buy a pint of that because sometimes you just need a, a thing of ice cream, you know? Or if it's they have young kids, you know, your family could say, hey, I want to be able to take your kids this weekend so you and your wife could go somewhere. Like serve them because who pastors your pastor? So I found that that happens after they've been encouraging and they've been inviting you into their life as a leader, but the encouragement and then the teamwork, uh, have really been, um, helpful things for me to, to follow those guys. Yeah, that's good. I was going to ask you like, what are a couple attributes of second chair leader? Cause you went there. You just, you just took care of that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you didn't just listen to what he said through the lens of a second chair leader, rewind, <laughs> hit that back button a couple of times and listen again, not through the first chair leader, but listen through the lens of the second chair leader because you, and, you nailed it on that end too. And and I would say this about a second chair leader too, Tim, because this is the way I'm gifted. Um, I'm, I, again, nothing against first chair leaders, but second chair leading is I think the way God has wired me. I love to be able to encourage. I love to be able to say, okay, here's how we can get to that end, end goal. Um, and, if you're a second chair leader, do not be ashamed of being a second chair leader. There is nothing second second rate about it. You might not be in every single decision-making um, decision in your church. You may not get to always have a voice in the end goal, but in your area that you're responsible for, you're the first chair leader. Mm-hmm. And then after that in the church, you're second chair. And so how can you help your pastor be the best pastor for that congregation? Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's something special about somebody who can comfortably sit in a second chair. They're not intimidated to support their pastor, and they're not in a hurry to take the chair their pastor is sitting in. They just are very comfortable sitting there. Yeah, there's something unique about that that's that is refreshing to a lead pastor. I think it helps them develop trust with you too. Like you, you, everything that you said, it revolves around trust because they're not going to let you pasture them in moments and shepherd them in moments if they don't trust you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so being just comfortable in the position and role that you've been placed in within that church, I think lends itself to a, a lead pastor trusting you. Yeah. I hope you're catching that, uh, like as you hear, multiple people that I've been able to interview a lot of the same themes are coming up when you're building relationships right you're like you've got to have trust Uh, you've got to go meet people and network or you can't develop that trust so lean into those things like Tim did a great job of explaining how we develop that relationship and it it took time but we understood that we both had a willingness to just uh, build that relationship and even when we moved farther away and really uh in a weird way the long distance relationship we had to figure that out because we weren't just going to drive to see each other all the time we had to we had to learn a new way to communicate and develop that camaraderie and it, it's been so beneficial to both of us and i do want i do want you to hear this next time he's gonna man he gets so vulnerable like i was i know his story <laughs> i was like wow he just pulled back the veil on what, what has been going on in his life throughout his life, how God has used that, how it's helped him in ministry, and also how in the world he navigated all of it, because it it's, it's a crazy amount of stuff. Uh, so tune in next time to hear the second part of that. 
I, I look forward to seeing you there. If you would, if you would like and subscribe, if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're just in your uh, normal podcast area, if you would hit the follow or subscribe or, or whatever that button is, that does really help get the word out to other people and kind of help in the algorithm. And so if you are enjoying this, make sure you're doing that because it is it is helping us get out to more people. And I appreciate every single one of you that are doing those things uh, because uh, this is this has kind of become a, a passion of mine uh, to just try to help people. And I think it is because I'm hearing from uh, several of you. So I appreciate all that you're doing to help this channel out. I appreciate all that you're doing for the kingdom of God. Keep going uh, and, and I'll see you next time.